everyone, and welcome back to Hotline Monday. It is Monday, April 17th, 2017. That's 417-417. No, 417-17. I'm Scott Johnson with Justin Robert Young. That's it. 417, bro. Yeah. It's in early. That's when everyone starts to roll their dope, and then they smoke it on the 20th. Right? That the deal? I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not much of a 420 guy. Maybe, yeah, maybe all the uh, all the all the all the real uh, uh, for, foresight dope smokers. Ah. You, know, you don't want to get caught in the rush. That makes know. sense to me. Yo, hit hit your dispensaries today. <laughs> don't hold off. Yeah, let's be efficient, pot smokers be in smart, a modern era. You know, you don't want to be the a hole sitting outside the Publix when they close for Thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and get your pie crust now. Yep. Do it now, and then after 420, smoke weed every day. And then from there on, you're all set. There we go. I we're, getting, we're taking all of your weed-related calls here <laughs> on Hotline Monday. No, bad idea, terrible idea. I, I inhaled a lot of secondhand weed, though, in uh, Vegas, where it's still not legal. Uh, but I still, there was plenty of it, especially down on Fremont. There was many a time where I huffed so in some of were just smoking weed on the streets down there? A mm-hmm, couple places, yeah. In fact, not far from like security and, and everything, there were just people lighting up. And I thought, well, wait, maybe that's a cigarette. I get a little closer. I'm like, nope, that's got the the uh, telltale look and smell of a bit of ganja, of the Mary oh, Jane. I guess, like, do they just like not care? Is that is that what it is? That or? was the impression I got is they didn't care. And if somebody, maybe maybe the way it is now with you know two states having legalized marijuana recreationally and a third about to implement it, uh, maybe what's happening is, uh, oh, and Canada has got their thing going. Maybe there's really is like a, a, a switch in the mindset. So people are like, meh. And, and by people, I mean, maybe security down there is like, meh, whatever. They're not hurting anybody. Like maybe that's changing. I don't know. I mean, certainly you can imagine that, uh, that the people who are running those facilities, cause that's private security. Right. Right. And and they would certainly have to have, you know, culpability if somebody were doing something illegal on their property, right? Right. But I think that they just passed recreational in Nevada. It's just a matter of them getting the like places to buy it. Oh, I didn't know that. If that's the case, that that actually would further explain it, probably. So it might just be something where it's like, all right, even if it's technically illegal now, mm-hmm. the cops have made a point to say that it's a non, it's not something that they are looking to enforce unless you know you're all you're robbing a bank and you decide to distract the police officers by throwing bales of ganj <laughs> in their face well i know that the like the legalized or the the medicinal stuff is definitely there you can have a card and do all that i don't know how long that's been in place but we saw dispensaries and we saw some dude um oh oh if there's dispensaries then yeah then you can smoke weed on the street like that's, that's yeah, but you have to be a like, le- well, yeah. I mean, maybe these people had cards. Maybe they were carded for it. I don't oh, know. Yeah, they can just they like, excuse me, sir. Like, would you slap an inhaler out of somebody, some poor child's hand? Right. Don't hassle me at this string cheese incident show. And <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that too. A lot of weird half naked people. Very interesting stuff down on Fremont. But I had a great time. It's good to be back. A little vacation between hotlines. Was there any, yeah. Well, number one, the the Twitter was a buzz mm. as you were sending me pictures of uh, your road trip and uh, uh, you know, pictures on Twitter. Yeah, that beaver liquor thing play, I told you about. Did you play the movie actor game? Uh, we did, and it lasted a good hot 15 minutes. 
And that was it. And we really did. Kim's going to laugh when you ask her about the Cinderentacular because she thought this was hilarious. So I explained the rules. I said, hey, I talked to Justin uh, just yesterday, and this is what he said. So why don't we try this? It'll be fun. And she says, well, what's the theory? I said, oh, it's the theory that your brain <laughs> that, you, that you normally use to keep track of how long this is taking to get somewhere will be completely occupied with this game, and therefore it'll feel like no time for us to get yeah. to, to Vegas. Which yeah. actually went faster anyway than we expected because we forgot the 80-mile-an-hour limit is now the, the, the norm, and it used to just be a test for, like, sections of this particular route. Now uh-huh. it's like... 80 all the way so you're getting away with 85 or whatever and you're still you know you can you can shave an, an hour off what we used to take but anyway point is we started it up start playing the game yeah and i go i go uh jeff bridges and she'd say uh somebody else from some movies in, and then i'd have to think of who else is in that movie and i'd say that person's name and we got like four in and she couldn't remember anybody else's name and said that this is how every one of these rounds is going to go and I said, yeah. well, do you not want to play it? She goes, yeah, I think I'm good. <laughs> we didn't play it after that. <laughs> it's, it's, listen, you need a certain kind of person. And, yeah. and sometimes that's not your spouse. It's mm-hmm. not your, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's not a universal game. Right. I will say that. Right. You have to have people that also have a familiarity and love of, of, of movies. So good for like, let's say people who are road tripping together mm-hmm. to Nerdtacular. Yeah. That's probably a good uh, a good a good crowd to do it with. Perfect, but, uh, perfect. And there's a bunch of those who do that. They all load up in a car in Ohio or whatever and drive forever. Wouldn't you all like to have your time cut down by the artificial means of a game in the car? I'm all about that. But I mean, for that 15 minutes though, probably felt like three. Oh, it felt like, like less than two. And here's yeah. here's the other thing too is like we you do this with kids anyway. You go. Uh, my I spy with my little eye something green or whatever while you're driving, or you play the billboard game or whatever. It never occurred to me, but that's what we were doing then. We were doing yes. what you're talking about. We were the kids no longer would ask, "Are we there yet?" or "I have to pee 50 times," or "Can we stop and get some?" You know, whatever. They would do it way less because we were they were being occupied the by this thing. Yeah, so it's time to play the game. So I think you're right. Okay, so I gotta. So here's something that did happen on the trip when Go. I either couldn't sleep or on the way there while Kim would drive, I read or watched uh, stuff on my iPad. Go. And the stuff I decided to watch was to continue to catch up on season two, Dose, which is appropriate given the setting, of uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Now, before I say anything, I already know how you feel about Walking Dead Prime, okay? Yes. You think it's got uh, characters people care about, but y- you couldn't c- keep going because it's a lot of recycled tropes and they do the same thing all- over and over and it's always... Uh, a little soap opera or whatever. Some of the stuff you said was all, and I agreed with all of it. All right. Everything you said sure, was yeah. true and nothing, nothing new, by the way. No, Like, I mean, like this is, I think even, even people who are in love with the walking dead, the main show tend to apologize to either themselves or others uh, about it kind of uh, famously. Right? right. That is correct. So I went into fear the walking dead late. Uh, I wanted to see what a spinoff kind of looked like. And my excitement came from, or my interest came from, wouldn't say excitement, came from the idea that the creator of this show, who also created the original show and created the comic, he, why can't I think of his name? What's wrong with my brain? Uh, uh, Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman, thank you. Um, it seemed like maybe there was an opportunity since he was uh, executive producer on this to say, all right, well, I've told my story that is just a, amalgamation of what I've already said in the comics and we've changed some things around and added some characters, but really it's the Rick story. 
So, and and we're telling a certain time frame of the zombie outbreak. Maybe it would be cool if we could go do something totally new that doesn't have any backstory or previous lore or anything and just tell it from the top and say, yes. here's new characters you don't know. Here's a new situation you don't know. Here's the the very crack opening of of the uh, outbreak, all that stuff, and let's see if they can be creative with it. And I felt like season one wasn't very good um, at doing that, at separating itself. It did yeah. have things like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And they don't know how to react, and they don't know all the tricks that these seasoned people down in Georgia have because they're way in the, well, not way in the future, but they're, you know. So this this also, this takes place, from what I can remember, in California, yeah, right? It starts in L.A., Right now in season two, they've they've made their way to Mexico for a big portion of the season. Uh, they tried to go to San Diego. It was destroyed. So they spent a bunch of time in Mexico, Tijuana, that kind of stuff. And uh, the last episode's called North. I can only assume that means they're making their way back to the States. Um, but it but it's very much south, south, uh, you know. South of the border, down Mexico. Way. Down Mexico way. So uh lots of you know there's a bunch of subtitles and I, I like it it's an interesting twist it's just less southern bumpkins and more uh fish out of water in a much different place kind of thing but anyway my point is season one which is spent mostly on a boat on a yacht it was like walking dead at sea kind of and it was a little oh, weird boy. it was kind of interesting it kind of had its moments but I started to sense that some of these characters, were, I could tell where they were heading ultimately. Like, I know where he's going to be. I know what he's going to do. I know why he's going to betray everybody. Like, I had it all in my head because they were setting them up that way. And I walked away from that first season going, ah, I'm a little bummed. This seemed like an opportunity to do something. Instead, they're just kind of going, the, they're just painting by the numbers again. Yeah. Season two flipped all of those assumptions about every character I had a concern about. Like, all of them. Straight up. The guy I thought who was the mustache twisting evil guy that was going to screw everybody o- over a completely different character, but okay. some but somehow well, uh, how do I put this? They they took his what I felt was kind of a two dimensional thing in the first season and they evolved it into this thing that's a much more sympathetic person in a way that is that wasn't force fed to me. It didn't feel contrived. It just seems like really smart people took over the writing or something and said, "Here's what we're going to do with these people," and it changed every expectation I had. And I ended up loving season two, not just liking it. I loved that. Loving. 15 episodes. So this isn't me going, Justin, you need to check it out. Although maybe, Justin, you maybe want to check it out. But you don't have to. I just wanted to put it out in the ether that I think those guys are doing it right. And now I'm all in. I can't wait for for season three, which I think is airing or something, or it will be soon. Um, It's all, it's all of it's on Hulu now, so people can catch up on it. But anyway, I liked it. A lot, and I can't believe I'm saying that because I'm kind of bored and done with the first, with the original show, or at least I'm just not in any hurry. I saw the pre or the the premiere this year, and then just I got behind, so yeah. I haven't seen anything since that. Right, and part of what makes me not want to go back is I just kind of know where they're all going to go. This other show, I didn't know what was going to happen, especially season two. I just did not know, and they would do surprising new things and new behaviors. When dealing with other people to survive would would creep up that they haven't already hashed out in the original show, and I don't know if it's because the outbreak's new and people just don't know yet, or um, you're just getting to deal with a different culture by having so, it. In so, Mexico. so right now in the show, yeah, it is known that there is a pandemic. It is known that things are going crazy and that there is this like zombie-like thing. But but where? Like you know the the famous scene in the in the premiere of The Walking Dead, 
is, you know, you see the the overrun Atlanta with the tank. Right. Like I have 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 the tanks rolled out in, in Fear the Walking Dead, or or is this still like there are functional newsrooms that are asking like, will the outbreak affect your family? We'll tell you at eleven. <laughs> no, none of that. So. So what has happened is, and it's nice to see it from this angle, but as best I can tell, origin story-wise, everyone always wonders where this outbreak started. Was there like a patient zero? Yeah. And it doesn't appear that that's the case. What appears to be the case is anybody who died after a certain exact time uh, came back. They turned. That's just the way it was. So if you had a heart attack, you turned. If you got hit in a car accident and died, you turned. If you fell off a bridge or committed suicide and landed, and then you'd wake up again as a zombie. By the way, spoilers... Like that's that is the and and all credit to Kirkman, both in the comic and in the original television show. That's kind of his big mark on zombie horror. Right. Is that his idea is that what changes is something in the universe. We are all infected. Yep. Like to the point where it might just be our genetics to come back. And now the the world's conditions are just at a point where we are now, that is now happening. So it's like, it doesn't matter. You don't have to get bit. Right. You know, like you, if you die, you're, you're turning. Yeah. Right? And if you get bit, you may die, but it's because you're going to get necrotic from a diseased dead thing that bit you. Yes. You it's are not, getting yeah. like, it's not a vampire situation. Exactly. I don't like vampire situations very much, but I do, I do kind of like his idea. It's a cosmic thing that nobody can explain. There's no time to explain it because people are just dying. And the worst part is you may have one guy with a heart attack in a sealed ballroom, but that is enough to spread it to three more people who you bit because they didn't understand what was wrong with you. And now yeah. they're biting more people and now everyone's got it. And, and and that's the spread. So they play with a bunch of those scenarios that they haven't played with before. And they're doing it with relatively fresh corpses. You know, they're only a few weeks into this, into the runaway that they're in. Yeah. So society is essentially in utter destruction or chaos. We haven't seen a lot of other civilization. The, the government has napalmed uh, major cities in California. We know that uh, there was one they were trying to get into and couldn't because it was all on fire. Um, gotcha. So who's around and why they're still around? Nobody knows yet. There's some cliffhanger stuff at the end of two. I won't talk about so people don't get spoiled, but just suffice it to say, I, I don't know. I, I went in, Maybe they were, my expectations are low. You always hear that. You know, if you go in with low expectations, you come out happy. But it's way more than that for me. Like, I actually really, really am invested in these characters now. And they've flipped the lid on archetypes and who's going to do what. And i give you an example. One of the kids in this family, it mostly focuses around this family that's sort of a homogenization of two different families. Um, uh, you know, two divorcees that get together. It's basically Brady Bunch with a combined set of kids. Not a ton of kids, but a few kids. And the oldest is a total junkie, big time heroin drug addict. Nice. And in the first season, it's constantly about where is he going to find more drugs? And when he does, he'll sacrifice everybody for, for his next high. Like this stereotypic as shit, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, in this new world with everything's crazy, he's, he's such a liability. And, and, and the audience sees it, but they don't. Uh, and you're just waiting for it. And I, I hated that. In this season complete flip over on that dude and he's maybe one of my favorite characters on tv right now so and now you're watching him recover from his addiction and 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 find his heroism sort of except it's even more than that there's something about his hatred of life before and his 
narcissistic view of all things and his addictive personality and all that matters is his next hit that have translated into in this world where it's all just survival. It's made him fearless and not care not about danger. And so he, he, he's got that, uh, a little bit of that, 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 that Tyrone Biggums, like there's something you don't know about me, Joe Rogan. I smoke rocks. <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. A little bit of like that. And anyway, I just think if people are listening and you're, and you've been on the fence, cause you're just not sure if you want more walking dead in your life, I think it might be, it might, it be, might be better. So you would say it's a more enjoyable, better show than prime. Spe- than walking yeah. Dead. I would say, I mean, prime has a lot of stuff under its belt. So it has a lot of things I look back and go, Oh yeah, that was a cool arc or whatever. So it's, they've done their work. So I don't want to, I don't want to be smirked prime, but I just want to say that I think based on season on, two alone, on, Scott, this is supposed to be a sports talk radio <laughs> thing. You've got it. Uh, like, come on, besmirch or don't besmirch. Is right. it better than walking dead or is it so inferior that nobody should watch it? Go. You only have two options. I think it right now it's better than walking dead prime. Boom. We'll take your calls yeah. right after this. That's right. 801-895-4724. 801-895-4724 is the number to call. Today, we're talking about Star Wars. Yeah, we're talking about whatever you want to call that. You want to talk about Walking Dead? That's fine. You, you can do that too, the yeah. New, the Last Jedi trailer? That's fine. A little bit later, we're going to go into spoiler territory with Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which just came out a scant five months ago. Mm. So, uh, so go ahead and get on your timely hats. <laughs> Because we're talking about Walking Dead and Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into what is the talk of the geek world. Uh, it is the uh, Star Wars celebration yep. in Orlando. Uh, let, let's just start here. I did not go. Yeah. Largely because I had just been to Orlando for a, a big thing. And I did not want to come home and then go right back to Orlando two weeks later. Right. Uh, where on the scale of jealousy are you on, on our friends that went and, uh, you know, for, for, for star Wars celebration, is it something that, that you would have liked to have gone to in a perfect world if it, if it cost nothing and was easy to do, or <laughs> is it like, uh, uh, something where, where you're like, Oh man, I'll tell you, I would have loved to see there. Cause there was some cool stuff there this year, especially because it was such a tribute to Carrie Fisher. I think some of those panels I really would have wanted. Yeah. To so, so a couple of things come to mind to answer your question. I was, um, jealous only in so much. I, here's the thing. I knew we'd get all the stuff, you know, I was going to see a frozen and car bony mite up there on stage, introducing oh, people it. in time. That's it. bad. I know it's bad. Stop it. Uh, I knew we was going to get all that stuff. We were going to get the trailer. I was going to get in the comfort of wherever I was in this case, a hotel in, in, uh, Vegas. Um, and so I wasn't so worried about that needing to be there on site for some sort of ground zero experience. What I was jealous of is I would have loved to hang out with Bill and with, you know, other friends, people I knew who were there. I would love to have seen them. So that's my, if I have any hangups about not physically being there, it's that I don't have any kind of tradition at celebration in terms of going. So I don't have any, it's not like BlizzCon where I can think of all the millions of little intricate things I missed or whatever. I feel like I got the brunt of it. You know, we got the yeah, trailer. This is your new, this is, this is the new Scott, right? I mean, you're winding down Nerdtacular as we know it. Yeah. So you can kind of expand your palette yeah. with, 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 with the con experience. Sure. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, I, I was immediately very, very jealous that, you know, I, I'm seeing pictures of Garrett there and, and Bill and Brittany and, 
course, Carboni is just like literally the most visible person there, including the cast and crew of every Star Wars ever. Uh, everyone's doing such cool stuff. Uh, actually, big shout out to uh, Riley Blanton, who does uh, a Star Wars podcast that was up on stage. He actually was gracious enough to invite me to be a part of that podcast. I could have been up on stage oh. at Star Wars Celebration. Oh, that being said, yeah. I'm really glad that they live streamed as much as they did. Yeah, because, no, it's good. Because I think that's that's that was that was a great uh, methadone. It be it behooves them to do it. Like there's no advantage to them being like Comic Con and keeping everything that happens in Hall H a secret, right? There, there's nothing that benefits them by doing that. I think if if they keep this lifeline with their fans and and have a constant conversation with them by giving them this content without having them all fit in Orlando, I think that's smart. It's good for the franchises. It's good for the Star Wars name, and it's just goodwill. So I I think that stuff's all great. My the moment of my favorite goodwill though was them having on stage, and I don't know why he's never been up there before or what the deal is, but I think having Hayden Christensen up there was great. I think having him be a part of this was good. I'm I'm a little bugged they've never done it in the past. Again, I don't know why it could have been his idea for all I know, but uh. That combined, I said this on TMS today, that combined with George Lucas saying out loud, look, I didn't make it for you guys. I made it for the kids. And then me going, oh, yeah, you do make these things for the kids. In fact, I was eight when you made Star Wars, and that was for me, seven or eight, and I loved it. And I'm glad that you did. And then I got all snarky in 99 when you made these other ones because they weren't for me anymore. No, 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 no. Stop it. Stop it. I'm telling you, I'm an apologist for him this week. I feel better about my relationship with George Lucas right now. I just do. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. And you can, and and I am of the belief that that George deserves a spot in our hearts. Uh, George deserves a, a tremendous amount of credit. He's a visionary. He's a legend. He is everything that that is deserved. But he he needs to just sip it, just <laughs> sip it, right? Like I mean, he's just so defensive. He's so because you want to know what? Like that to me is so passive aggressive. Yeah, and it is like, oh, okay. So I'm sure. Uh, uh, then let's let's adjust that the 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 sale price and uh, the grosses. Because he wasn't just making it just for the kids when he was trying to make the highest grossing movies of all time in the 90s, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and the 2000s. It wasn't like, hey, 12 and under uh, <laughs> of, of mandatory. They didn't make him G-rated, okay? <laughs> like, so so he can he can just he can just sit on it. He can, it he can sit on it and sip it, like you say. We got a caller who may want to chime in. Hi, who's this? Hey y'all, this is Colin from Texas, long time first time. Hey man. Um I got a hey, I got a quick question. Um overall, I'm trying to catch up. They just came out with that super cut that you tweeted about, Scott, that was a uh a juxtaposition of the uh episode seven versus episode eight trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh we saw a lot of the same uh themes in episode seven as we saw in episode four, and we're seeing a lot of the same visual aspects and motifs as we're seeing in eight as in seven, at least from a trailer perspective. Are you worried that we're going to see overall a lot more of a, a similarity? We had a lot of the same uh, callbacks and ideas in it. 
Yeah. Well, seven, seven certainly harken back to four, five, and six. So, Justin, what do you think about the? Well, here, hold on. Let's yeah. let's all, all, we we took too goddamn long with this preamble, but let's let's <laughs> let, let's get into what people really want to talk about, and that is the trailer. All right. Uh, trailer comes out at the end of the episode eight panel. They introduce some new cast members. Uh, there are some interesting kind of uh, uh, parse it language that we can get into after we talk about the trailer. But this is the meat of what people are talking about. Uh, I uh, first things first, first impressions. The first time you saw the trailer, uh, uh, I was not underwhelmed I was. because all they literally needed to do was show a gif that just flashed in black and white back and forth that Star Wars comes out this December. Yeah. And that's basically what this was. Uh, but I certainly was not aside from obviously emo ass Luke being like the Jedi have to end at the end. <laughs> I, I was not particularly jazzed after, after, after seeing it uh, outside of my initial hyperventilating reaction that we get when anything new star Wars happens. Yeah. Uh, Scott, before we get in, I know you had some very interesting thoughts about how closely it hewed to the structure of the episode seven teaser, but what was your first thought? My first thought was, can't wait. Stoked. Ryan Johnson. Love him. Let this be the dark chapter. Uh, can't wait. All those things. I said can't wait twice. That's how much I can't wait. Can't hardly wait. Can't hardly wait. And then I went, eh, it's all right. There's nothing here, really. I mean, it really isn't that much. It's And then some have corrected me. Schleicher this morning said, it's not a teaser. It's a trailer if it's two minutes long. And I realize he's kind of right. Like, this is a long, if it's a teaser, it's a long ass teaser. And, uh, they don't really, I mean, look, you're going to hear me on other episodes of this show complaining that trailers give away too much story, right? So yes. I'm going to sound like a hypocrite right now when I say they just yes. didn't show us anything. Me and, too. Yeah. I'm totally, these two things can exist side by side in my mind. Yeah. I understand that that I might be hypocritical. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm a child. I'm a mother. I can be a lot of different things. Uh, but I can I can both be upset that the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer basically goes beat by beat through the movie, mm -hmm. and I can be upset that the Last Jedi thing didn't give us any kind of hint into the major struggles of 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 the film. No, we don't know anything. I mean, we know we know what we know, which is it's kind of like finding Yoda again. It's just her finding Luke. She's going to train. If she doesn't end up on the shoulders in the forest at some point, raising rocks around, I'm not interested. I can be a backpack while you run. <laughs> um, what else? I want it to be. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I just didn't get to see. Like um, like Rogue One gave me a bunch of stuff to chew on. As much as yeah. I, I like that movie a lot. I know you, you, what, you better chew on it during the trailer because it sure as hell wasn't going to show up in the movie. Because you didn't like it at all. I know. Well, no, no, I mean, like, believe we don't need to get back. I know. Into this. I don't want to dig up old wounds. Don't need to get and, back yeah. into this. But, but I mean, that's not controversial. There was a lot of stuff in that Rogue One trailer that didn't show up in the movie. No, that part. Yeah, we'll keep it at that, not the movie itself. You're right. You're totally right. But uh, <laughs> I wanted, I don't know. I guess I just, oh, there's Ray in the clothes she was in when I last saw her. It was a little like seeing a friend, uh, like, let's say Vegas. I'm in Vegas. And this is actually true because Brian Ibbett stayed a whole 24 hours. It was his Iron Man challenge in Vegas. Uh, without sleeping and I saw him when I met him in the same clothes and when the next time I saw him he's in the same clothes again and it felt a little like that a little yeah. like oh there's Ray just like I saw her two years ago and there's yeah. Finn he's still in his little box and uh 
Oh, look, everybody, it's a silhouette of Carrie Fisher uh, looking important inside that war room there. But now that has extra meaning because she passed away. And so I'd be thinking about that. But that's not really story. That's just me wondering what they're going to do with her character. And then, you know, there's sort of Kylo Ren for a second with his thing and saying shit. And it's just not, I don't know. There's just not anything in that thing. It's all the same people doing what they were doing when I last saw them. And that's fine. What, what bugged you? about the fact that I think this was released by Star Wars itself, that when you put both of them side by side, yeah. you find out that not only are the cuts on nearly identical uh, of a time frame, yeah. but theme shot by shot, there are similar themes. Right. There. Now, Why to, did that bug you? Well, to to the credit of many who pointed it out, and I was aware that there was some of this anyway, so it wasn't a big surprise. I thought it was sort of common knowledge. But that act, that edit was somebody taking the new trailer and then editing a bit with the old ones so they could match some stuff up. It's hard in a tweet to say, oh, here's what I did, and he didn't make that very clear. But it doesn't really matter in my mind because the point oh, was... Oh, so, so I, was, I was unclear on that. So, so there... That is not exactly how it is. It is not played at the same time, and they both go at the same time, and you get exactly the same thing, no. There's nips and tucks. Correct. And the nips and tucks are just there to say, well, all right, sure, you went three seconds longer with a ship flying around in this trailer and not this one, but you both had your ship battle moment. You both had that go to dark really fast. You both had this moment where Finn jerks his head up from the sandy uh, Yavin, whatever, and you got her, not Yavin, whatever planet Jakku. they were on. Jakku. Jakku, there you go. And then you got her uh, or it kind of fading into black uh, from black and her hand coming out and slapping the rock real hard. Like there's these things that are all very like beat for beat, kind of the same tricks in both trailers, not necessarily simultaneous. And that was never my issue of simultaneous or not. I mean, that's interesting, but it's not the reason I posted it. I posted it because it's just thematically kind of a template. And that may be completely by design and totally on purpose. And that's fine if that's what they want to do. I just feel like they're not either that either does that does one of two things. It either covers for what could be, uh Oh, we're starting to get into, we've got too much star Wars territory and we're all going to start being bums about it. Or it could be that they're just trying to hide it all and keep it nice and secret until they can actually unleash it on people. And I don't know what I actually want. I think what I want is I want to be able to go to this and go, man, episode seven was great, but look at eight. Holy crap. It's like five compared to four. You thought you already had a cool Star Wars movie. Guess what? Yeah. Pulling out all the stops because two is where it's at. And then the third act, episode nine, will be a big puppet show like, like six was. I don't know. But I don't even know quite what I want, except I guess I just want I want not to be feel I don't want to feel like I'm being dorked with. And right now I feel like I'm being dorked around with a little bit. Well, I guess the most craven way to look at it would be hey, that Star Wars movie is the highest grossing domestic movie of all time. Mm. Let's literally do everything that we did before, <laughs> like down to making all of the trailers almost it's like uh whatever so we have anything with the Darth Vader's helmet? Cool, shoot. They'll throw it right back in there. Let's literally run the, in the with all the creativity of a 14 year old making a Big Mac at your local McDonald's, <laughs> let's just poop out this trailer because these these neck beards will love it, right? Yeah, yeah that's the. I mean, I don't know if you. I'd even call that the cynical view. That's probably the practical view of how to how to maintain this thing and not 
get in trouble. I mean, they, they as much as well, they, I, mean, I guess the, the, the artful way to look at it is like, Hey, we obviously need to make this the biggest movie of all time because anytime a, a Star Wars movie is good, it should be the highest grossing movie of all time, yeah, right? Yeah. You, very, very rarely in film history do you get a chance to say that whenever we step out, we have the ability to make the most money that anyone has ever made. In fact, <laughs> the fact that, you know, this, it won't be the same director, so yeah. it's not going to have the James Cameron you know, a, a Titanic avatar double middle finger, you know, situation where he did two movies and they were both the highest grossing. But it has the opportunity to say, hey, look, if this second one's good, mm -hmm. this third one where we wrap up everything with these characters has the chance we could go one, two, three highest grossing movies of all time. Yeah, Boom. you'd be right? the top three. Yeah. So they need to get the word out. They need to get people excited. And yet they have a, an ability to do something that not a lot of movies do as well, which is to keep things secret. You know, uh, a lot more of episode seven was new to me when I walked into that theater than most movies. Yeah. But when you saw even the teasers and later the trailers, but I'd say I'd argue even for the teasers, you were seeing some, some things that were very, Different, unique, but great, and also some great callbacks. So you would see things like, ooh, how, who's in that goggly helmet unit in the middle of, hanging in the middle of what looks like a downed Star Destroyer? Like, that's yeah. just badass. Like, what the hell is that? Please tell me more. And then the final thing, it's just her scavenging, and it's fine. I don't even mean it as a letdown. I just mean, you're at least showing me something where I'm like, ah, all right, you're you're blowing my mind here. Let me see what else you got. And then they'll show you something else you got. You have to mention the meta of that shot, which is her literally mining history to create a new future. Yeah. So it's like, that's, that's, you know, it, it, it's almost to the point where it's on the nose. It is on the right. nose, but at least from a pure trailer standpoint, that stuff works for me. That Think was the trailer though, not the teaser. Right. What was so the teaser? I don't remember. Theoretically, we have still yet to see the analog to uh uh to 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 what we saw just now well like, the, we no just now yeah you know didn't show us you know it showed us a bunch of random images yeah right yeah but so did the first teaser for seven so the way it worked is but you I'm had saying, yeah so so it's similar to that to the point where it's almost the same thing yeah you had lady talking i think it was supposed to be i don't know who it was supposed to be oh no, snoke it was it was like uh like there's been a disturbance. Oh, yeah. But have you felt it? Yeah. Uh, uh, the dark side. Yeah. And light. <laughs> yeah. And then and then later she uh, and then it's then it's Luke toward the end talking about hope and bullshit like that. And then it shows his hand up on top of the droid and there's something going off. And, you know, that's Luke's hand because it's a robot hand and he's yeah. got R2 there with him. And it's it's that same thing of flashing these images. But. Maybe it just benefited from the last thing that happened was a real, real bad third prequel. Well, we had no idea about the universe. Now we understand the universe. And and it also doesn't help that, to me, the most disappointing thing was the idea that I'm kind of done with space battles. And, <laughs> and not to say that I don't think that they can be an effective part of movies. It's just something that in a world where, in a world, uh, where we've <laughs> had so many just ball numbing uh cgi yeah. spectacle yeah like not only from 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 like the transformers of the world but also from star wars itself in yeah. the 90s where they just wanted to pass off these 
in the nineties and the, and the aughts where they wanted to pass off these 40 minutes CGI Jack fests as like, you know, plot and story and they weren't. And yeah. so it's like Ryan, but the part of what, why you bring Ryan Johnson on is because he's an amazing character director. He's an amazing plot director. He's an amazing story director. You hope that as a writer as well, that he's able to shepherd all of that specific thing. I guess that's that's what might be frustrating. The more I talk through it, I want the Ryan Johnson trailer. Uh. Right? I want the trailer that says Ryan Johnson's directing this movie, and that's not what we got in the teaser. Yeah, the guy who brought you Brick and freaking Blue Brothers and Bloom. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's take a quick call. Hi, who's this? Hey, it's Skills Cat in the chat. What's hey, up? Hey, man, what's going on? What up? Hey, uh, so I got a recommendation, but first, a quick comment on space battles. I agree. The problem is is that 97% of all space battles we've seen are essentially just dogfights. Yeah. They're just like, let's take two, you know, World War Two or World War One biplanes and put them in space instead. Yeah, so, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty good uh, point, and I wonder yeah. I wonder why I wonder why that is. So so what would you suggest? How do they get out of that? Well, either that or or it's naval battles. You know, there's always an analog because nobody knows what a freaking battle in space is going to be like. Yeah, it's good because we never had a battle in space. Yeah, so nobody knows, and it's probably going to be boring. People are just going to die. Probably the expanse does the best. Well, yeah. all of a sudden you're flying along, and all of a sudden these I don't know what even the weapons or the technology is, rail guns or whatever. All of a sudden you just lose a million little tiny little holes in your spacecraft, and four or three your gut dead. Yeah, they you those know. guys in the books as well. They they go deep into how combat would yeah. probably be, and your ships aren't very sleek. They're not flying in a straight line. They're not all straight up, looking at each other, Star Trek style. They're kind of in some cases just hurtling through space at a very skiwampus sort of angle and out come the guns and uh oh a rail gun went through your chest and also took out your engine uh, yeah as you're probably right that is probably how they're going to do it but i also get why that doesn't play well on in a two and a half hour star wars movie and so maybe there's a middle yeah, ground I mean, listen, my, my, my problem isn't with the space battle or whether or not it's going to be cool or not because ultimately the who gives a rat's ass about the space battle it's who's battling right so like if it's characters that i care about and now I have the the thought that one of them is going to die, right? Or one of them is going to be maimed or there's going to be some radical change to the plot based on the conflict that we are watching. Then I care about it. Yeah. If it's just a bunch of like, uh, pull up, pull up, pull up. <laughs> like, I'm a first person. Do another first person. Thing. I don't, like, know who I don't like, care. <laughs> Who's. Wait a minute. I'm a fish person. Do another I'm fish, a fish person. person. Oh, everybody loves me because I'm from the other, I'm movie. the other movie. Now I'm a fish person in Rogue One and I'm going to throw a thing. <laughs> fish person assemble. I know. You're not a big fish person fan. All right. So, but you had another point, caller. What was it? You had a second point you were going to make. Uh oh. We're losing him. Uh oh. Oh, and Skype just kicked him. Dang it. I didn't hear oh, well. it. Uh, if we get you back, we'll we'll try that again. Uh, all right, it's a good point though. Like I don't, but but see, here's the thing I liked about Seven, and I even liked about Rogue One. I thought the combat stuff was much more varied, and didn't rely specifically on here's X-wing shooting in a little hole somewhere on a building or the thing. Like it was like weird battles in water in Rogue One, and and strange Walker stuff happening there. And in Seven, you had I I thought pretty interesting combat and great cuts back to. And which is very Star Wars, right? To say, 
you're fighting the Death Star and there's it's chaos on a huge scale and suddenly you're back in the place where Obi-Wan Kenobi's turning off all the switches. It's all quiet for a minute. Like they yeah, got, they're no, real good I, at that. I, 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 I liked by and large the, the action in Rogue One or uh, episode seven where, you know, aside from the end when obviously there was so much going on that you really didn't get a sense of what Poe Dameron was up to aside from just kind of circling. Like he was kind of like, like, like a friend who came too early to pick you up from the airport and mm -hmm is just like, you know, circling around and around and around until something happens. That was kind of Poe Dameron at the end of episode seven. Like mm -hmm. eventually him, him and his squadron had something to do. Mm. Uh, but are you are you are you OK with him losing his keep losing in a ship in these trailers? Because every time there's a trailer, Poe Dameron loses a ship. Sure. <laughs> and even Rogue One, I, I think that, that the action there, the action was what I liked the most. In fact, what I was uh, part of the reason I was so frustrated with Rogue One was that like, I was kind of sold this bill of goods that it was going to be this like great heist movie. And by the end of it, the, the, the rebellion is so, you know, up their own butts about like, no, I think we should all take a nap. And Mon Mothma's like, well, all right. They all voted for nap, but still you guys go do this thing. Otherwise <laughs> I, I would have loved it if it was just like, no, we all know that this is a thing. Now let's marshal all of our resources and see whether or not, this can happen, you know? Right. Um, I love when you talk. I know you don't want to get any more trouble or any more heat for Rogue One and your dislike of it, but your impressions of things in Rogue One are some of my favorite things you've talked about on the show. It's, well, I'm, I'm, Mon Mothra, <laughs> fish person, uh, all that stuff's great. Well, I mean, that's not even a, just a Rogue One thing. Everybody, I mean, the, the, the Mon Calamari is just... Uh, it was dumb from day one, dude. Well, I just know I want him to see to do something different than just sitting on a spaceship and, and screaming like, like, I don't know. Is there going to be a thing? Where's my tartar sauce? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You're not wrong. Plus calamari. I mean, come on. There's so many things wrong, wrong with calamari. that. Yeah, but see, that's also it's from the puppet movie. And people have fond memories of six. I do, too. There's lots of things I like about six. I love six. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a puppet movie. Come on. There's Muppets freaking everywhere in that thing. All right. We got a caller. Hi, who's this? This is Wynn. Oh, hello, Wynn. How are you? Oh, doing all right. How's things? Doing doing great. <laughs> what's uh, what's your thoughts? What are you thinking? Um. Well, I haven't seen the Rogue One movie myself, but I did do the audiobook, and I have been kind of nervous actually going to go or taking the time to see the movie because one all jury's negative on it, but then also there's a lot of internal dialogue that goes over in the book that I have a hard time for seeing them translate into the movie. Yeah, I I think and that I, that's isn't that kind of a problem. I mean, thanks for your call, Jerry. Across the board, like if you've got a book version of something. Hey, guess what? You're going to have a bunch of internal dialogue that movies aren't going to translate very well. Okay, number one, first things first. Never, never, never don't go see a movie because I don't like it. Uh, my my favorite part of fandom is discussing movies for which everybody needs to see them. Yeah. So so I I I am a huge fan of everybody seeing. Uh, 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 seeing flicks, and I think that it is uh, for for people like us that really enjoy this culture and really enjoy these kinds of films. Then understanding the nuances of them creates for better discuss uh, discussion, whether or not you like or don't like them. I would put Rogue One as must see, just because everybody knows about it, and it's a great jumping off point for discussion with you and your friends. So right. let me yeah. make this very clear that no matter how 
much I can attack Rogue <laughs> One. My point is not that you should not see it. My point is that you should see it so we can talk about it. You are it. kind of the you're not Jim Jones in that you want everyone to drink that Kool-Aid. So just take out my word for it. You're a very different kind of Jim Jones who says, I, I didn't like it. You're more like Tom Jones. You're like, it's yeah, it's, 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 it's so unusual. <laughs> So to love Rogue One, that's how it goes. That's the song. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that's pretty close. All You're... the characters are flat <laughs> and uninteresting. <laughs> All right, don't finish yet because I want to hear more. But Peter's on the line. We got to take this call from Peter. Peter, what's up? Hello, Peter. Uh, just thinking, how long will it take? Because we all know Disney will do anything for money. That they. <laughs> took away all the novelizations and made it legends how long will there be a legends adaptation of star wars oh interesting so not not so much <laughs> sorry i'm trying to get past his whole we all know disney will do anything for money um but but what do you think of that idea of dipping into the uh the, the old stuff that they say no longer is canon but now they can use it as like separate stuff i mean they're kind of oh, already doing it Right. I think 110 percent do do any and everything that was interesting from, uh, you know, the, the, the previous uh, novelizations and everything. Like, yeah. I would love to see a lot of the stuff from from Zahn's writing specifically uh, turned into movies. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that. But at the same time, you know, uh, I might be in the minority. I would love to see them remake Star Wars like like just four through six. <laughs> I would love to see new people cast in it. I'd love to see a different take on it. I would love to see, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's, this is another one of my things. I am hard and fast in the camp that always remake. Yeah. Always remake. Always do spinoffs. Always for universes that we love, for characters that we enjoy. It's not, it's worth it to deal with all the garbage, milk toast nonsense <laughs> to every once in a while get something that's really worth it. Yeah, they're never going to do that with these, though. There's no way. It's not a chance they do to this. Read, to remake Star Wars? Well, okay. Let me, I'm sorry. Let me say this in a different way. There's no way that they do this in the next 20 years because they've got the next 20 years mapped out. they got stuff they're going to do, and that does not include them going, we've cast Luke, and there's pig people lined up to be in the new six. Like They're not doing it. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, all right, so let's say – Episode eight is not only good, it's great yeah. that it is immediately a science fiction classic. Uh, it, it, it elevates the the franchise already iconic into new heights. All of a sudden, Ryan Johnson becomes just the biggest director on the planet. Yeah. And for whatever reason, he's got that same bug in his bonnet like uh, Gus Van Sant did with Psycho. And it's just like, you want to know what I I am I am untouchable. I am a god. I will do the impossible. I will remake Star Wars. Yeah. Who's gonna stand in his way? <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy and her people. Her Kathleen her. Kennedy is gonna be like, hey, please continue to be in our universe. Uh cast whoever you want. And that's how we get uh you know Joseph Gordon Levitt as all characters. Her red person her Imperial Guard will will stop it from happening. Here's the other thing I'd say to Peter, real quick. Uh Star Killer Base. Part of the books, part of the extended lore, made it into episode seven. Yeah. Uh, you're looking for um, uh, Admiral Thrawn, Grand Admiral Thrawn, or whatever his name is, shows up in Rebels. He's in the cartoon, yeah. Yeah, so they have already shown a propensity to dip back and pull up. 
And I think they'll that's how they'll keep doing it. It's yeah, never going to be. The reason why they reset it was not because they wanted to kill all the good ideas. It's because they wanted to kill all the bad ideas. <laughs> and, and they can always now, whenever they bring up a good idea, it's a celebration as opposed to us being upset that Thrawn isn't in episode eight. Yeah, because there's like a that, lot of dumb have, ideas. There's a lot of dumb ideas out there. Especially sure. now, you look back at it and you're like, "That's the only decision they could have made." Yeah, you know, it's it's it was it was necessary. It was ugly, but they had to do it. I have a memory of some scene in some book where Luke, his wife, what's her name, and their kids are all at some sort of Thanksgiving banquet with Han, Leia, and their kids. Yeah, like it started. It started to turn into Battle for Endor, the TV special thing. Yeah, no, Mara Jade. Right? Yeah, yeah, I would we, love to see Mara. Jade. I, I would too, and I'll bet she makes it. But I don't know what form. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello. I think we got butt dialed. So that's that. Oh no. It's all right. Hey, you do what you got to do. All right. Uh, that's Star Wars. Certainly more of the sim uh, conversation. Conversation. Conversation will come up later. In the week, I smell toast. Is that normal? I also taste purple. All right. We're going to now spend some time talking about ye old film from five yawn months ago. Sure. I went and saw it in theaters, and then you never did, so we never talked about it. But I think fantastic we're Fantastic Bests. Yeah, Fantastic Bests and where to uh, where to finger them. Where doth, where doth locate them. Yeah, where how doth you finger your beasts. And uh, they are, it's a <laughs> extended universe Harry Potter business, uh, blah, blah, blah. Everybody knows about it. So I'm very curious now that you've seen it, where you're at with it. What'd you think? Uh, well, do we want to get into spoilers? Yeah, we may as well. Wanna... Yeah, I guess so. I mean, t listen, Vince Gilligan once said two weeks is the maximum. You should worry about spoilers, but... We'll do these. We'll do everyone a solid, and just let you know from here on forward, we're gonna do spoilers. So before that, Justin, let's do a little uh, pimpage. What you, is what's going on this week? What are you doing? Okay. Well, if you want to see me complain about Rogue One, you can go to, to Twitch.tv/slash Justin R Young. Just kidding. Uh, but I am live uh, Monday through Friday, uh, every gosh darn day, uh, rock and rolling, playing Hearthstone, doing podcasts. If you like this, you're gonna like that. Twitch.tv/slash Justin R Young. Nice. Where are you? What's your rank this month? Or this uh, season or whatever. Ten. Oh, my Lord. So far. You're ten. better than at that game than I am. So, good job. I'll play. <laughs> I will gladly fight you in any other Blizzard game, but that one you'll whoop me in. Well, too bad. I don't play video games. I just play Hearthstone. Just play Hearthstone. Um, all right. Excellent. Uh, I would say, uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, we're doing an Overwatch tournament, speaking of Blizzard games. Uh, it's called Overpants. And it's a little like the Heroes of the Pants. Heroes of the Storm tournament we did, except this time it's for Overwatch. So fans of Overwatch Unite, we are going to do something cool and rad. There is nowhere to go look at anything yet because the details are at this stage very scant. But in the next probably week or so, we'll have some details about how to sign your teams up, when we'll be playing, uh, and how those who are not playing can watch the action and enjoy themselves anyway. So that's coming up. When are, when are, we, when are we doing a, a stone tournament? Uh, we should do that one soon too. I think it's been a, it's been that's more been an issue of who uh, who's who into it up? well who's into it enough to to want to run it and because i'm not really into that game i haven't really spearheaded anything but i'm totally open we'll to chat. that we'll chat yeah, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk if you're telling me there's a possible hearthstone tournament in our future that justin robert young is helming i might just shit myself so that'd be awesome we should do I that mean, stranger stranger things have happened stranger things have happened that's my little hearthstone look at that little stone there yep there see my video see that anyway that's, that's I rub that and it takes me back to my city. Anyway, what's the point? <laughs> the point is uh, that's all coming up soon. So watch for that. That's the Overpants Overwatch tournament. 
coming to frog pants near you uh go to frogpants.com slash uh, or just go to frogpants.com that'll be the place to be and on there'll be something will show up there so watch for it um all right uh did you find how did you find fantastic beasts and where to find them how did it find you good bad equal we were going through stuff to watch on saturday night and we were like going through all the movies that like i've kind of seen that have been on the been on the we should see it list but uh never really got to it in the theaters and boom baby right there fantastic beasts and where to find them so we queue it up on itunes and both of us were asleep within 20 minutes. oh my gosh all right that doesn't, um, that doesn't bode well how late did you start this thing probably about uh 10 well that's pretty late to start it was maybe a little bit earlier there might have also uh, alcohol might have been a factor but uh, you know uh, yeah. uh it was otherwise uh pretty pretty solid and uh you know, all right, so here's the deal. The movie is frustrating, and I was consistently kind of uh, uh, bothered by some of the heavy-handedness of the plot and some of the acting choices. But in the large scale, I was overall, I, I, I wound up enjoying the high points of the characters enough yeah. that I I liked it. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, but that, uh, that Johnny Depp bullshit at the end had to make you mad. It made me mad. No Johnny Depp in my... I don't need him in the Harryverse, the Potterverse. Get him out of there. Well, it's not that necessary. All right, so if we, if we were to get right to the Johnny Depp thing, <laughs> I was just kind of confused that it was that they, they traded out Colin Farrell for Johnny Depp because yeah. I kind of liked Colin Farrell. Like, I don't know... I did too. Right, so I was had I just kind of I had this conversation with a friend of mine today who had also seen the movies and had problems with it. Yeah. Uh, how would you describe Colin Farrell's relationship with the troubled boy in the film? How um, would you describe uh, their interactions? Yeah, that's a no one's asked me that question. How would I describe it? I would describe it as. He is manipulating the kid um, through coercion, saying that I'll get you out of this place you're in, um, but you've got to do me these favors. Like, just a kind of abusive, I don't mean, you know, like, physical or sexual, although it kind of turned physical, but, but like, you know, like an abusive relationship of authority over uh, someone who's easily plied, somebody who's not yet, you know, of age or isn't isn't in a place where they can make mature decisions on their own and they're okay. and they're being well, led along. Choose whichever. I assume you're probably in the middle, right? And you wouldn't take either of these two opinions to be your own specifically. Yeah. But tell me to which your compass points more. <laughs> Was it a yeah. fatherly relationship? Yeah. Or was it a predatorially gay relationship? <laughs> Um. Uh, I point more toward the fatherly, but but not the positive inclination of that. Yeah, uh, it's more like a he needs he has a need that he needs to get done. And he's going to manipulate and and turn people to his will, uh, for his own gain, and he doesn't really care about that person. There's that, a lot of face touching here. There's a I lot of face touching. You're right. A lot of face touching. A lot of like putting a head into into his chest like uh uh you know it was like 
hey, listen, son, I know you got these powers inside of you and you can't keep them in, but don't worry. As soon as you're on our side, everything will be fine. I just need these things from you first. Like it was a little it was a little weird. Now, that being said, I think it's not necessarily a bad choice. It was just a confusing choice for the movie. I didn't really know whether or not I should think that this kid is just walking dynamite, especially because they have the faint about the girl for the the, the majority of it. I don't know if I should be thinking he's a good guy or a bad guy. I, I couldn't, I don't call him feral. He's kind of introduced in a way that makes you think that he's in on whatever is happening. And yet he kind of consistently doesn't know yet. He wants to kill our heroes yet. We're dealing with this president who she sucked. Is, I don't like her at all. Making the thunderingly dumbest decisions repeatedly yeah, she's and bad. Then never stops making them. And yet our heroes just kind of go along with it at the end, which is also kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I, I couldn't understand them like Colin Farrell. By the end of it, I'm like, oh, cool. I'd like to see more of Colin Farrell kind of being a dick, uh, you know, in, in the wizarding world. That's I, I, I don't I didn't quite get what he was doing the entire time, but that's fine. Whatever. Uh, I liked him. And then they're like, oh, here's the greatest swerve of all time. You thought it was one famous guy. But he's really another famous guy. Yeah, the problem I had with that is I would have preferred the whole movie then, knowing what I know now. I would have preferred Johnny Depp running around, having the father-son relationship and trying to s squash everything, and then turning into, uh, you know, being revealed as uh, the other as what's his name? You just said his name, uh, Colin Farrell. I'd like I'd rather have Colin Farrell be the big surprise at the end well, and have he, him but, carry but here's on. Here's the problem, and this is probably like yeah, this is part of the movie that was not for us it was for die hard fans of the harry potter universe is that grindelwald or whatever is a big bad guy that is established in the harry potter world right right yeah and much respected by um uh, uh voldemort who loved him well no no yes he's respected by voldemort but he basically he is Dumbledore's Voldemort. Right. Like uh Dumbledore is the one who has to take him down in the way that Harry is the one who has to take down Voldemort. That's right? correct, yeah. Uh, but a lot I think the way I could be wrong, but I think the way my memory of the books is that uh especially in flashback stuff, Voldemort is way into this idea of mimicking and and tailoring his his uh his plans kind of based on what this Grindel Grindelwald guy was like. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, all right, th there's there's that uh, things I liked. I really love the the muggle guy. I thought he was great. Yeah, he was good. That I, worked out better I, than I thought. I thought he was going to suck. But yeah, he was great. I really like the slutty uh, mind reading sister. Yeah, the redhead. Yeah, because we've never really seen adults trying to bang in the <laughs> Harry Potter universe. And then that was an interesting thing. Right. Like and, and it doesn't like that obviously is grody and weird and gross. But like. Uh, there's also just this element of like, oh, cool. Like, like we've never seen people just flirt with magic. That yeah. wasn't in some sort of dusty ivory tower. Like, well, I have these kids to take care of, but <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Like these are just like two adults, like consenting adults, like trying to flirt with each other. And mm -hmm. especially with the magic, non-magic thing. Mm -hmm. thought that was super cool. Um, What do you think of Mumbly Pete there in the main role? He's a little quiet, a little hard to hear. Harry Potter plays Pokemon or sorry no uh, uh, uh Doctor Who plays Pokemon yeah basically yeah 
He'd be a great Doctor Who, by the way. So I just want to say this. I love Eddie Redmayne. I I, do, too. He's great. He's great. There was a series. I'm going to go ahead and give a recommendation. All right. Um, This would be a good thing to come close to ending on. I like recommendations. Lawyers of the Earth, I think. Lawyers of the Earth? Pillars. Oh, Pillars. Pillars of the Earth. That's it. TV miniseries. Eddie Redmayne. This is the first time that he really got on my radar. But uh, it's like a, a, a medieval uh, kind of story. Stars uh, uh, what's his butt from uh, Deadwood? Oh, uh, Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Uh, Haley Atwell. Oh, look at that! So I didn't even realize. Oh, ha- she's Haley awesome. Haley Atwell is in it. We can love her. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. I really, I really dug it. It was, uh, it was, it was really, really cool. That's where he kind of got on my radar, and I've, I've really liked him ever since. You know, in I don't mind him. Mm. I kind of despise, not despise, despise is harsh. I was frustrated and flummoxed by how his character was written and the fact that the movie actively plays defense against him being capable and awesome. Mm. Yeah. But here's to me. And not to say that I know the wizarding world of Harry Potter more than J.K. Rowling, right? (laughs) But if I were to start this movie, I would start it off inside his case. Yeah. We don't know it's inside of his case. We think this is just him on one of his adventures. And he's got to deal with some stuff that like, you know, some beast that's gone wild or is sick or something or as. I don't know. Make up some magic stuff. He yeah. ate some some whatever you need. Snap. Yeah, he's got to catch Stabble a Snorlax. Yeah, exactly. Well, oh, he he ingested the Stabbleberries. Now he has to stab me forty times. <laughs> like, and so now we get some fun Indiana Jones and the and and the Raiders of the Lost Ark little mini adventure where yeah. he's running over stuff and doing somersaults and showing just a little bit of the the world and the wands and everything that he's eventually we're eventually going to see a lot of and. There's thunderclaps throughout all this, right? And then you realize that the thunderclaps are people banging on the bathroom door that he's just doing this thing in his suitcase in the bathroom right. of this ship right. coming to New York. Yeah, right? I love that idea. That's a great idea. So started with that. And then here's the other thing. Two things that can make this movie better. He's in New York literally just to get on a train to Arizona where he wants to drop off this bird, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the that's like the 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 point, right? Yeah. So in the movie as it's written, he's there in New York to eventually buy stuff from a guy who's not even selling the stuff anymore and then winds up getting involved with all this because a bunch of these things get loose. Yeah. How about he's literally just walking from the boat to the to Penn Station? He winds up running into somebody he knows or somebody knows him or he stops in somewhere. And because all these beasts are loose, they're like, hey, you're Newt's commander. You're the guy who catches all these beasts. Can you help us catch all these beasts? And he's like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I just went through a Stabbleberry incident. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of, you know. Yeah, no, like, I love this idea. Now he has to show an active act of heroism to do this. He winds up discovering that there's more to this situation than meets the eye. 
bleep, blop, bloop, ding dong. That's a better uh, story. That's a better, that's certainly a better premise, better start to the story. Because otherwise it's just a little tropey fumbly in the beginning. That's the only real complaint I have about it is it just was, I don't know, like fish out of water. Check him out. He's probably on the scale too. He's a weird kid, but he's got these, this thing. He's real good with the animals. So he can commune with those animals. But boy, when it comes to people, <laughs> he's going to run into some trouble here in America, with both the wizarding world and the muggles or whatever they call them here. Yeah, I guess. And then there's also, I feel like J.K. Rowling's just kind of getting into this Stephen King phase of her career uh. where it's like, hey, listen, the things that she does well, she'll always do well. She'll always be able to build a world. She'll always be able to invent cool creatures. She'll always be able to, uh, you know, uh, have uh, cool interactions with the world. But man, when she wants to make a point, like just like Stephen King, it's not going to be subtle. <laughs> it's going to be like just right up in your face. And, it, and she's not going to give a rat's ass if it plugs in clean. Because obviously people need to know about this child abuse and obviously people need to know about, you know, racism and obviously people need to know about the, the problems with religion. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think that that's it's a little ham fisted. It always has been, though, but it's just more so here because it's I don't know, it's on its own. There's no book tie in like it's a different you, you can look at it through different eyes. And it's also fresh eyes. It's not. It's not. It's not 1994. Uh, just trying to make it as a single mom. Maybe this book will get published. Kind of eyes. So I just think it's. It's. I. I agree with you 100. percent I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, that's the problem. Is though, is that like, all right? So when Hermione does her whole like elf liberation front yeah, thing, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, that's ham fisted. But she's 12. And she's a character that would do that. It's like it's like criticizing Lisa Simpson for always being kind of a hippie and civic minded and a super liberal yeah. on The Simpsons. She I, she's that for both comedy relief and a little bit of a message. But the message is coming from Lisa, not the show. Yeah. And, and the message and the message coming from Hermione and her elf thing came from Hermione, not the movies or the books. This seems to come from J.K. Rowling through her through this. I agree with you. Here's the other thing that I thought was weird um, was like they one thing that they lost from the Harry Potter universe yeah. was that I love the most was the idea that, you know, the Ministry of Magic was always in contact with the highest level of the government. Right. And so if something happened, they both believed that it was in everybody's best interest if they just kept kept things apart, right? right, right. If, if the magic community requested it to be secret, then it was up to the highest levels of government to honor that. It was more trouble than it's worth. Right. Uh, and so if something goes wrong, then the it'll be the prime minister's office as well as the Ministry of Magic doing their best to cover it up together, right? right? right. And that's something that was lost here where it's like stuff's just blowing up and the big like problem is like, Oh, well, I guess we're going to have to reveal ourselves. It's like, no, don't worry. I've got a CGI creature. Um, <laughs> so like, I, I, and that's a minor, minor, minor quibble. What's not a minor quibble is that 
Quibble sounds like a character in the Harry Potter books, but yeah, keep going. Minor quibble, yeah. Yeah, minor quibble. Minor quibble. Um, (laughs) So the other thing is just that, like, this guy who I think is the best part of the movie, the the muggle, Mm -hmm. Nomadge, uh, he saves the day. He's shown uncommon heroism. He's adapted to this world. He's fallen in love. Uh, He has discovered a purpose, the likes of which he's never had before. And then somebody who earlier that evening ordered indirectly the death of Newt's commander <laughs> and that lady uh, is like, yeah, uh, I'm going to you need to wipe his memory. <laughs> They're like, yes, ma'am. Cool. And then she walks away. Yeah, and it's that. not even like, you know, I think because you can still have that emotional emotional beat. Right, right. Right. Where it's like, hey, look, we're not going to erase your memory. Yeah. But. And here's money to make it OK. But for everybody's safety, we can never talk again. Right. Like, I got to leave. I'm going to Arizona to, I don't know, watch, you know, spring training baseball. <laughs> uh, And, you know, the, the, the love, there's new love. Like, it's like, listen, we can't be seen together. Yeah. You know, especially now that you're on their radar, they're going to check back up with you and, and you can live your life and you can always remember it, but you can never tell anybody and you can never see us again and, and let him make that decision. And then, of course, they have the sweet thing at the end with the with with the bakery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because she she gets I can't remember how it worked. Didn't she get uh, I don't remember how that all ended in the end. Why? Why was it? Were they in? Did she come into the bakery? Were they? Were they together? Was he, uh, he was, no, his mind. He's, he's now running the bakery because Newt gives him some priceless artifacts to hold his collateral, right? To right. get his loan for the bakery. Uh, and, and at the end, the final scene in the movie is he's got all these pastries that look like all the creatures yeah. that Newt had. Yeah. Uh, and we, and like old lady, from new york like hey baker man where'd you get all these ideas from and he's like i don't know miss i just come to me all right hey forget about it i'm walking here and and then uh uh what lady comes uh redheaded lady comes in and he like scratches his scar that he got from the uh from the beast and smiles at her and she smiles at him Right. And credits. Yeah. So and that's just sequel fodder, right? Like they there's some multi picture deal going, I heard. Let's see how it goes. I made enough money. Well no, now Jude Law cast as young Dumbledore. So we are going to get more Johnny Depp, more Dumbledore. The question is whether or not the next one is in New York or or in uh in London. Hmm. Will it be will uh Newt Skymander Skylander? He'll be back in it. I assume that this is the, he is the central character. Okay, I like yeah. I like I like him. He's fine. He's fine. He's just... no, he's good. I mean, I, I, again, I was kind of charmed by him. I think he was at his best when he was kind of using when you saw the idea of like beast magic. It yeah. kind of almost felt, uh, uh, like World of Warcrafty a little bit. Like, like where he's it's like, a... oh, cool. This is he's a beast master, and mm-hmm. they're like kind of wizard power people and like that's cool that there's a difference mm-hmm. um so yeah i think like it was just that he was kind of superfluous and 
you know, as, as many people have pointed out, if he never shows up to New York, everything's fine. Yeah, the whole place, there's no problem. The kid is still the kid. The yeah. kid. That was the other thing that it's like I thought was weird was that, and this is where it's like, okay, did we really have to have this child abuse, like religion, like mm -hmm. subplot? Mm -hmm. Because that's where this kid comes from. <laughs> but it really would have felt like a different, like a better movie if the issue was either a rogue beast that gets loose yeah. or because they already have this in the Harry Potter universe, an animagus, somebody who turns in to a beast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if like the thing that's wreaking havoc is a beast that maybe turns it into also be a person. Right. Yeah. But just have something that like, it's like, oh, well, there's only one person who can do it. Newt's commander. <laughs> like, <laughs> But here's the yeah. thing, though. I don't I don't know. I think the, the hard part and maybe this is a good challenge for her and them and everybody involved with these with these films that are outside the books. The books always had this one advantage. It's set in a for all intents and purposes, a school we all relate to. It's yeah. it's a little private and a little up in a hill and it's you know, there's magic. But for the most part, it's the same kind of stuff. He's got a crush on a girl and doesn't know why his best friend's kind of a dork and is always embarrassing him he's got to deal with teachers who are oppressive and we all know what that is like it just feels yeah. like like fertile ground for the familiarity we need to then augment it with all this other stuff in this case it's like nope we're out of that now it's life like in some ways it's almost the disappointment of graduating high school it's like now you're out of that. Now you're in the real world, and what are you left with? Well, we got to come up with a bunch of beast shit, and we got to have a guy with a he's a baker and blah blah blah. Like it, there's they had to fill all that in with things that we're not as familiar with as universally as we all are with a primary education, and I think that makes a huge difference. I felt that specifically in this movie, and I had to adjust to it. On the whole, I liked it. I enjoyed it, but I. I also recognize the fact that we are now out of the mill. In fact, I don't even like it when the Harry Potter books would kick Harry, Harry would be out of school because things are too important now. I can't go to school. And he'd spend like a whole book not in school. Out that, in the woods. That was weird to me. Always weird. Always felt off because you're out of that place where the core conflict is. The core conflict is trying to learn how to be disciplined, still being a kid. When is it right to have fun? You know, like all of those questions, all yeah. that stuff is, is so universal and so you know, fundamental to, to people that when you take him out of that setting, it messes with it a little bit. So maybe I should be impressed that they pulled this off as well as they did, having taken us off that canvas completely. No, you shouldn't. Right. It's not a, it's not a super well-written movie. And, and going back to our initial conversation yeah. about this movie way back when it first came out and you first saw it, yeah. uh, this is not half the movie that Dr. Strange is. Oh yeah. No, I'll agree with that yeah you did not when you first walked I, I know you're right you're not you're right i think in retrospect and and multiple viewings of both i'm gonna say oh i guess i haven't seen harry potter twice but i saw the other one twice um i think you're right i think so or at the mm, i still hate the ending of that movie whatever that's that's crazy i know i know i know and i've and i've come around to the why you why you like it and why i should like it but i just for whatever reason just felt so phoned into me and i don't know why i don't know why Felt felt too easy at the end, but but uh, it doesn't matter because all that'll matter from here on out is Ragnarok and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and every hopefully uh, good Marvel movie set in the cosmic universe. 
Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. It's going to be exciting. So all that stuff's coming up, and we'll be watching them. We'll be doing them here on the show, talking about them. Yeah, I'll tell you what. We have, what, two weeks until uh, Guardian, Guardian right? Fuck. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Wait, two weeks? Yeah. Uh, May, the, the Labor Day weekend. May 5th is when it comes out. Oh, that's sooner than I thought. Of this month? No. Since this is... This is not. This is the May fifth of May, not the May fifth of April. Oh, well, you said twenty fifth. No, May fifth. Oh, May that's, okay. That's that's what I thought. Is that weekend? All right. So May fifth. Uh, but we'll have other shows between now and then for other stuff to talk about, guys. Don't worry about it. Plenty happening. Plenty going on. Um, I guess that's everything. We should probably get out of here. Um, yep. big, big thanks to everybody for hanging out with us. Thanks for being here. If you'd like to lo- know more, go to frogpants.com/slash/hotline-monday. Follow the Twitter account. At Hotline Monday on Twitter. Follow Justin at Justin R. Young, me at Scott Johnson. And uh, we're always happy to interact with you fine folks there. We'll be back next Monday with a brand new show. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Internet. Bye, everybody. Kiss our butts. We'll see you later. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Yes. Get more at frogpants.com.